Do you own a small firm? Or if you don't own a firm, would you like to start one? Paget gives firm owners all the benefits of owning a small firm, plus the backing, playbook, and confidence that comes with being backed by a large firm. Stay tuned to hear more about Paget later in the episode. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Federal Tax Updates podcast. It's Annie and Roger, and it's Happy New Year to everybody. So, Annie, Happy New Year. Thank you. Welcome to January. Welcome to tax season. Welcome to, you know, 2024. Here we are. Yeah, but we're going to talk about something we talked about all of 2023 because there has been some updates. We're here to talk a little bit about primarily about the employee retention credit. And while you guys were hopefully taking some time off around the holidays and uh, resting up before tax season, there were some significant updates on the ERC. And there's actually some, as we sit here and record today, there's some some current potential changes or activity. So it's, we're going to talk, we're going to bring you up to speed on the old stuff, but there's actually some new things that have happened since the last time we talked about ERC, which is like every time we do a podcast. That, that's what it feels like, <laughs> but we can yeah. certainly, we'll, well, we won't go all the way back to the beginning, but we'll, we'll bring you up to speed in the sense that this is something that started during the pandemic. Um, so you feel like yeah. it's, it's always, on our minds, we're always talking about it, but it's been around for a while. Um, and it was due to the pandemic and the goal was to help businesses and help them fast. And so when you do anything that's super fast um, and new and you're handing out money, um, there wasn't a lot of guidance um, and it was fairly simple to claim the credit. Um, and there was a lot of money involved. So we saw that when big money's getting handed out, um, you know, you common common to have scammers and, and people trying to, to beat the system. And so that's exactly what happened. We had um, what we call ERC mills, which are these companies that would come in and aggressively probably promote the um, eligibility of businesses to claim the credit. Um, and as a result, we ended up with fraud and then the IRS started audits. And, you know, we have the moratorium, which went into effect, I think it was November. We had the moratorium. Uh, sounds, yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and, and then in December, we did get some guidance um, on how to withdraw claims. So if you had sent in a claim for ERC, um, there was a way to sort of withdraw it as long as you hadn't cashed the money, um, so to say. And so that it's just sort of been pure chaos. <laughs> Can I say that? Um, pretty chaotic. Yeah. Uh, like I said, a lot of money being passed around and moved around. Um, so we're kind of where we are today, um, is the, the program is still available, right? It hasn't expired, so to say. So, I mean, people who maybe missed out on the ERC and do have valid claims can certainly submit the, the returns. And by submit the returns, that's file the 941s associated with the payroll for the period in which you paid employees during the pandemic. Yeah. But as we sit here today, the moratorium is still in place, so you can submit them, but um, we're not really sure when they're going to begin processing them. So you can look back. This this started in, theoretically, I guess you could say it was started in 2020 mm -hmm. 
here we are starting in 2024. We're still talking about it. We're still dealing with it. Um, it's been a problem for our the practitioner community in terms of uh, we had to first decide, did we want to get involved with it and help our clients make the claims, uh, determine eligibility? And we thought if we didn't, we were kind of free and clear. And then all of a sudden, we were told that if we didn't know the validity of the claim or had a question about the accuracy of it, that we couldn't amend returns. And then we get into the, the mills and the payback and all that. So it's been, I don't know if it's a case study of how not to do something when you pass a law or a case study of what a, there's just a lot to learn mm -hmm. from this. And maybe when it's all over and we'll talk about that, um, how to make sure these kind of things don't happen again, because we'll, we'll, it's going to be a while before we know the, the real amount of money that has been distributed to people who knowingly or not knowingly weren't entitled to mm -hmm. it. And we're kind of still in the middle of it. And as we talked about, we had some, some changes. So just to kind of summarize, and then we'll ask Andy to talk a little bit more about uh, what came out there, but when someone comes to us now uh, as a taxpayer, small business taxpayer, I think the first thing we have to do is talk to them about, did you even receive or do you know anything about the employee retention credit? Mm -hmm. Because if they didn't participate, there's still time, theoretically, mm -hmm. to help them get it. So you may go down that path. If they say they received it, then you've got to decide, well, should they have received it or should they not have received it? If they received it, then you've got amended returns to do. Mm -hmm. if, if they legitimately received right. it, you have amended returns to do. If they didn't receive it legitimately, you now have two choices based on whether they received the money or not received the money. If they have yet to receive the money, and we talked about this on an earlier podcast, mm -hmm. but we'll touch on it again, there is a way to uh, withdraw that claim. Uh, as long as you haven't and, cashed the check. So even if you're holding the as check, long as you haven't cashed the check, you can, you know, right. void the check. But as long as you haven't cashed the check, then technically, and even if you're under audit and it's not finalized, there is a way to withdraw the claim. Right. Now you can't, you can't, if you're engaged in fraud or you've been notified by the IRS that there's problems, a lot of this stuff doesn't apply. It's, it's not a, I'll use this term, not a get out of jail free card if you're in big trouble because you've committed fraud, mm -hmm. but assuming that you legitimately have had a change of heart and you're not sure you're eligible, as long as the money, I don't know how many people didn't cash the checks when they got them. I think in most cases, they probably haven't received the money yet, mm -hmm. but you could withdraw the claim. Now, that left open for a lot of us. Well, what about all the people who actually receive the money and cash the check thinking I'm going to be kind to all these business owners, thinking that they were entitled to it. And then they come to you, the tax practitioner, and you ask the questions and determine, well, you know what? You really weren't entitled to it. We were waiting for months to figure out what could we do with those folks. Mm -hmm. And the service kept telling us they were going to come up with something, recognizing the fees that were paid and all the challenges that were out there. Um, and they finally gave us that answer. So, Annie, 
this was right around Christmas. I think it was on the 21st yep. of December when we actually <laughs> got this. So what did they tell us? What did they tell us we could do in that case? So it was the 21st when the IRS came out with the announcement. And basically, they put together what's called an ERC voluntary program. <clears throat> and what that means is you can basically raise your hand and say, I, I didn't deserve this money. I, you know, I, I would like, you know, please forgive me. And here I will pay back 80%. So 80% of the money um, that would have been, that was awarded through ERC claims would need to be uh, paid back. And I do think that's a fair number. Um, you know, the majority of people have probably spent the money. So paying back 80% of something you don't have anymore is doesn't sound so fair, I guess I should say. Yeah, well, it's better than paying to pay a hundred. That is true. That is true. And we did see most of the mills. Um, they were, you know, charging about twenty percent, twenty five percent. So the eighty percent to me seems reasonable. Um, and there, of course, there are installment options available for taxpayers who who have spent the money. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, and some people, let's, you know, there can be winners yes. in this. Let's say you did it yourself and you didn't pay a fee, mm -hmm. you still get the 80%. Correct. So that's just, the service was trying to find a number. They didn't want to have to negotiate individually with mm -hmm. each individual person. And, um, you know, if you paid 30, you lost. If you paid 10, you win. So it's 80. That's the that's number. It. <laughs> That's the number. It's not really tied to what the fee was that you mm -hmm. paid. So that's that's the that's the program. Eighty percent. So there'll be winners and losers, uh, but that's the way it yeah. is. And in that guidance, um, we did learn how to go ahead and you know raise your hand and voluntarily pay voluntarily pay it back. Um, and it's something called Form One Five Four Three One. So it's a form. It basically is an IRS um, one pager. Uh, it's a form that would get filed for each period. It is e-filed, so um, that is something that can be done. Um, the big the big kicker here is that this program ends March twenty second. So there's what two months ish of time that you have to talk to clients, um, kind of determine exactly where they fall in this. Um, and after March 22nd, we'll have to see if they, maybe they'll extend it. I, I you know, I don't know. Um, but they don't seem to be interested in extending it. This is your window. That's your window. You know, now it's coming during tax season. Yeah, it's coming, it's yeah. not the best time of the mm -hmm. world to have to do it. They gave you three months though, but, from December 21st yeah. to March 22nd, basically. So, and that form is going to require you, you know, you can put multiple quarters uh -huh. on it, but you don't just send in one lump sum. You have to go back and, and basically deal with each of the 941s yes. that you amended yes. and, and, and basically show them pretty much what you well, put on the 941, yeah. uh, but reversing. Right. And it does yeah. ask for, um, you know, they are collecting the names and contact informations for the, the, you know, if you paid somebody to assist you with this, whether it be a mill or just something else. So they are obtaining information. Um, so perhaps we'll see additional audits and, and, yeah, I mean, they want to know, one of the questions on the form is who prepared the original yeah. 941X, and certainly what they're looking for is if they get millions of these forms from one person, uh, or, or highlighting one firm or one group of people mm -hmm. who did it, and then they're probably going to go find those people and have a 
discussion with I'll sit down. <laughs> and he mentioned it's electronic. Now, this is not going to be something you're going to find in your tax oh, software. Right. And you don't e-file it like you do tax returns. You have to submit it through a, a portal with some attachments. I mean, the rules are all on the IRS website. Right. The instructions so, are pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, it's if you have – now, some of the practical problems is that we don't know what the mills gave taxpayers in terms of copies of what they did. Mm-hmm. And you're going to need those original 941Xs to complete the form. So if for whatever reason your client wants to take advantage of this program but doesn't have access, you're going to have to, while you're turning the mill in on the form, you have to go back to the mill. If they're there. copies of yeah, hopefully they're still around. Uh, though I got an email, I think today, asking me if I hadn't gotten my ERC. I got yet. a phone so call last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're still out there. Still out there. That's true. Still out there. So, so it's it's. I don't know, Andy. What do you think? I think eighty percent. I think the program, all in all, is pretty. Fair. Yeah, and so they did spell out a couple of other um, important. Uh, tips about it. Um, and, and that's that they're not going to calculate interest and penalties. So that you're not doing some right. sort of calculation on 80%, but then you got to owe an extra blah, 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 blah. So it's just the 80%. Um, they're telling you, you do not need to go back to the income tax returns associated with those periods and adjust wages. So you don't have to go back and amend 2020 and 2021, which- Even though you only gave back 80. 80 well, 80% of yeah. it, that other 20%, you don't have to amend the return because. No, nope, no, nope, it is not. The 20% will not be considered taxable income. Um, and so there are steps to be, like we said, steps to follow. The instructions are out there on the website. The biggest thing is, you know, don't put your head down in the middle of tax season and think come April 15th, I can start handling these kind of claims, these voluntary claims, because it does end on March 22nd. Yeah. And again, I think that's going to be a firm date. Uh, I think in the IRS's eyes, they think that, you know, we're we're just forgiving 20 percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say out of the kindness of their heart, though, I think they're they're trying to be responsive to, to the concerns that practitioners brought up during this process mm-hmm. is, you know, you want us to get these people to come forward. And yet they paid these huge fees to third parties. And so. Uh, you know, it's not fair to make them pay back money and then have to go chase down. So I think the service tried to to be accommodating of, of that fact. And again, there's going to be winners and losers. Mm-hmm. The 80% is going to be a home run for some. Now, you mentioned installment agreements. There's, these aren't in automatic like we're used to in certain cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're going to have to they want the money back is basically what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, you have to request yeah. the installment plan, so to say, but right. but the collection of the funds, they're going to collect the 80%. Yeah, yeah. They they really want you to – this is designed to work for those people who can send the 80% in mm-hmm. uh, with the form, though they will accommodate and recognize the fact that uh, if you – don't have the money that you've spent it somewhere. And again, a lot's going to depend on how long ago did you get actually it, get right, this money. Right. I mean, if you got this money back in 2021 or 2022, if you really needed it, it's probably gone yeah. now. That's the unfortunate thing. Didn't. I mean, the, the program yeah. was designed to keep people afloat during the pandemic by keeping people working, paying wages. And so there was good intention there. Um, 
And it's, and like you said, there are, there are probably some that knew what they were doing was kind of iffy or maybe skirting this or that, but a lot of people truly believed what the mills were saying and, you know, filed these returns and got the money and didn't think much about it until the money was spent and here we are. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to have that conversation with your clients too. Um, and, and there's going to be situations. I mean, it, it's also funny. You, well, it's not funny, but as you see how this has evolved, you realize why the uh, withdrawal announcement came first, because you're, you're going to sit there and have a client come to you and say, well, you told me to withdraw my claim. But if I had waited and let them pay it, I could have turned right around and given 80% of it back. I would have made 20%. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. But you didn't have a crystal ball. Time, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but at the time we're doing the withdrawal, um, we didn't know these rules. So, yeah, all of us, if we had hindsight, and so now somebody's going to say, how do I withdraw the withdrawal so I get the money? Oh, I don't think that's an option on the plate. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you they have, they have not given us any guidance on how to withdraw the withdrawal so I can get the money and then then – send 80% of it back and say, thank you very much. Cause in some cases it's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, now remember all of these cases are not ways. If you just fraudulently did this knowingly, uh, knowingly did it, that this works. And, and it's also, I mean, if you think about it now, when someone comes to you and that got the ERC, you, you still are not going to have probably the answer that some people want, because number one, if it was legitimate, we have to amend the mm -hmm. returns. That's in the law hasn't changed. If you are iffy about it and say, I haven't got it yet, you've got withdrawal. If you got the money, you got the 80% payback. And then there's the person who says, well, I just want to kind of put my head in the sand and see what happens. That's not an option. And remember and remind them, and this is where this, um, new program is and the deadline is helpful that if you sit around and ignore and contemplate and think about taking my chances that maybe I won't get caught and then eventually you do get caught if it's after March 22nd or they think you did that intentionally a program is not going to be available for right. you. You're now back at 100% instead of 80% with penalties and, and interest. And penalties and interest. With penalties yeah. and interest. So, so it's it, we have tools. We don't, we're still going to have a few people who aren't going to want to comply. They're going to want to try to do things mm -hmm. their way and take their chances. And like I said, the mills are still out there promoting. And um, there is one interesting update that came this week because I was getting ready to say, and if you have legitimate claims, you should go ahead and file them. And there's still a lot of claims sitting at the IRS. Oh, yeah. There's a backlog. Waiting to be processed. But as we sit here and record this podcast today, we're cl getting close to, I think it's next week that the government theoretically runs out of money. Mm -hmm. And every time that happens, Congress has all these, you know, battles with each other on how to fund the government and how to pay for the government. And, um, two things that have come up during these negotiations that impact us. One's not related to ERCs, but that, the first thing that happened is in the first agreement 
and I say agreement until something's signed, it's not an agreement, but it's at least a draft on theory they, they, they've agreed to it, is if you remember, the IRS got a lot of money in the Inflation Reduction Act, which was passed primarily by the Democrats. Uh, that made the Republicans angry. So when the Republicans took over the House, they wanted to claw back some of that money the IRS got. So uh, they, did. they were successful in getting $10 billion in the current year and $10 billion in the next year. In this current agreement, they get the whole 20 in the first year. That was one of the things that they negotiated. Now there's some discussion. This is all on the House side. The Senate, uh, there's a couple of senators, and it's bipartisan, by the way, but there's a couple of senators talking to uh, the article I read said, uh, Commissioner Werfel was involved in the discussions, and they're looking at ways of, I, I guess, terminating the ERC uh, to uh, save money. Now, I don't know. First of all, I don't know if that'll be included. I don't know if that's really what they're talking about, but they're, the article said they're looking at the ERC program and the fraud, and and in Washington, they'd get all these savings if all of a sudden... I don't know if that means they wouldn't process the forms that are sitting there or they won't process any new forms or what, but they're looking for savings by canceling the employer retention credit or modifying the report, doing, doing something to yeah. it, doing something to it. Now, again, that's just talk as we sit here today, but anytime you get, well, you, first of all, you have Republicans and Democrats on the Senate, so that's, that's a positive sign if you want something to happen. But then you have to go to the House and it can be completely different. So everything we're saying could dramatically change if they make another change that that weren't contemplated. Hi, I'm Jeff Phillips, CEO of Paget. We've been helping firm owners grow the right way for over 50 years by providing marketing, technology, and of course, tax support. It's like hiring another 20 people who help you run your firm, but for a tiny fraction of the cost. And if you like this podcast, remember that these are two of the national team leaders at Paget that exist to support Paget firm owners. So to learn more, visit pagetadvisors.com slash podcast or pagetadvisors.com slash podcast now, let's get back to my colleagues, Roger and Annie, for the federal tax updates. So that's kind of an update on where we are. Uh, before we move into something that I know you want to talk about and uh, explaining about protective claims, is there anything in the voluntary program that we, I'm trying to make sure we haven't forgot everything, forgotten anything uh, about. We said about penalties and interest, March 22nd, 80%. Um, the 20% is not taxable income. You don't have to amend the returns. I would just go ahead, just read the instructions carefully as to submitting that form, the 14, I'm sorry, the 15, 431 um, for each period through the online portal. Um, I do know that there were 20,000 letters denied um, claims, and those were just you know, sent out for people who, for example, were not even in business during the pandemic and somehow thought they could claim the ERC. So I know that is in, in the works. Um, so you might get a client or, or see one of those. There's also, I think it's $100 million in withdrawals um, that have already been processed. And that is at least two weeks old. So um, that number's that yeah. number's grown. So We'll have to wait and see what the stats look like, um, how many, you know, voluntarily 
do this and what the numbers actually come out to be. And like you said, I don't think we're going to see the real impact or effect that this program has has had um, for several years. I don't think we'll see it. Yeah, because you know there's going to be well, – again, we, you've got people who don't know about mm-hmm. it, who aren't aware of it, maybe would have done it had they been aware of it. You've got some people who consciously aren't going to, to do it. Uh, you mentioned the $20,000 letters. If, if you've gotten one of those letters that basically the IRS has determined that you aren't eligible because mm-hmm. uh, they're finding businesses that had no employees applying. <laughs> right. They're finding <laughs> – or not in business. You know, finding or, EIN numbers that you know businesses didn't even exist <laughs> right. back when this was. You know, Good so, try, though. So if you get one of those, yeah, this program doesn't qualify if you're in that group yeah. there. So they're trying to be uh, proactive, and that's one of the reasons that it's taking longer now. To uh, well, one of the questions. Let me let me step back. You've got to furnish some documentation with this, obviously. Uh, one of the questions was when we ask about uh, if and when they accept new returns in during the moratorium, would they require more information? And they decided not to require it on the application, but they are going back to businesses for more information based on the claim if they see something there that they think mm-hmm. is. Yeah, this is going to go on and on and on, I feel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's going to go on and on and on because now you would assume every audit that is going to to come uh, for a business, if they got ERC, that's going to be a big part Mm -hmm. of the the audit process is to examine the ERC, which is a slick little intro into our next (laughs) topic because... Let's think about this situation that we're all probably sitting there thinking, okay, I get the money. Uh-huh. I think I'm, I'm, I'm entitled to it. Uh, and I have, in fact, amended my returns and given you some of the money back. Right. Then I get an audit and you determine I wasn't eligible for it at all. So first of all, now I got to give you 100% of the money yep. back. And I've got to pay penalties and interest. And. And. <laughs> And what about amending those those returns that I've amended? Maybe the statute's run out. Oh, and that's another thing uh, in the current discussion is to extend the statute that the IRS can use to audit ERC mm-hmm. claims that's going on right now. So that might change. But going back to the original problem. So I've amended these returns thinking I was entitled to the credit. I now get an audit. I have to pay all the money back plus penalties, plus interest. And now I want to go back and amend the returns and get the tax I paid on the returns back, but the statute has run out. Where am I? You're stuck unless you prepared a protective claim. And, and this is not something new. Protective claims have been around. This is not the result of ERC. This is not part of any sort of pandemic relief, so to say. But um, you have a right, if you have a right to a refund that's contingent on future events, something that's you can't determine. By filing a protective claim, um, it allows you to basically reserve the right to go back to that. And it's a very simple, I mean, it's, it's a piece of paper. It's something in writing that is signed that has name, contact information, EIN, and, and briefly identifies what the situation is, what the contingencies are. 
um, basically alerting the IRS of, hey, the nature of this claim is as such that something in the future, a determination in the future, a decision, a ruling, or something of the future could change what I have previously recorded. Um, you do have to say the years, but you don't have to do any calculations or put like dollar amounts or anything like that. And so if you're if you're unsuccessful, like Roger said, with an ERC audit, it does get filing a protective claim for refund to reverse that expense disallowance. It's basically the only way to preserve your right to go back and get a refund for the reduction of wages that you did on the amended return. So all of that. So if I'm doing... So if I'm doing an amended return and I'm kind of questioning the accurate, well, not the accuracy, the validity of the claim, because mm-hmm. I would do this when I'm amending those returns. Correct. So it does get right. filed with the amended 1040 um, or the amended business return, so to say. Um, and you would attach that to the return. Um, there's several bullet points of basic information that needs to be that, like I've mentioned, um, and you would send this in to basically safeguard your the ability to go back and amend should the statutes run out. So the, the I need to be thinking about this when I'm doing those amended, yes. in this case, we'll say 1040s. Uh, and, and there's some reason to believe or some concern on, I, I mean, I guess you could do it for everybody because uh, you don't know who's going to get right. audited Selected or who's going to have it. Yeah, I yeah. at this point, I mean, I don't expect. I know that there are people out there that still qualify, and there is still a window of opportunity to file these claims, and they certainly should. I mean, if you are eligible, you you certainly should. I think adding a protective claim at this point to any of the ones you're doing is is a good idea. I mean, it can't hurt. There's no harm in in doing it. So, and like I said, it's fairly simple to put pull together. Um, so, I would talk to your clients about that if you're. Okay. Yeah, and, and this has nothing to do if if, if about getting the money or any, right. this is only if at some point in the future your ERC claim or refunds are denied mm-hmm. or credits are denied, mm-hmm. and you have already amended that ten forty and paid that additional tax that was paid because you believed your ERC credits were legitimate. Now you find out they're not. Now the statute has run on mm-hmm. uh, the uh, amended return, so it's a way to protect that for for certain people. It's again, it's not for every. No, first of all, everybody doesn't need to do it. Yeah, uh, and I will. If you did the claim, and you're 100 percent certain they're accurate. I mean, it doesn't hurt, yeah. but you're never going to need it. Yeah. And I will say while we're talking about, you know, things that you can do now that might be beneficial in in the event of an audit, if you have clients that did use third parties or go to mills, have them reach out and get any documentation possible, go back and get, you know, examples of how they calculated um, any any kind of statement or report or um, even engagement contract or so to say, because those mills are not going to be around forever. And so if a year from now you get an audit, make sure that your clients are aware of the documentation that is needed. Um, and it's, it, you know, it includes payroll reports and, you know, the copies of the 941s that were filed and the calculations, um, you know, whether you got a PPP loan or not. I mean, there are some specific things that they are looking at um, that they would want in order to verify that calculation. So, you know, if you come across a client who went elsewhere, you know, ask them to make sure they 
got all all the the calculations, all the documents from that mill as a just in case. It, you don't want to have to be trying to find this stuff in a couple of years from now. No, because remember the burden's still on you, mm-hmm. the taxpayer, to to defend what's on your return, even though you engaged a third party and. And I think I can say with some high degree of confidence that if Congress in this budget uh, discussion kills the ERC program, mm-hmm. it won't be long before the mills will disappear. Oh, yeah. And they'll be gone sooner than you can imagine and moving on to whatever the next thing is that they'll try to mm-hmm. show up under a different name with a different tax credit. So that, Annie, that's really important advice. I think we've touched on this before, mm-hmm. but if you have a client who got an ERC claim using one of these third, I don't care who the third party right. is. It doesn't it have be to another, be. It can be anybody. Yeah. They need the documentation of not just the calculation, but you, you got to have copies of if it's a government order, you know, all the things that, that are necessary to qualify. And if you don't get them now, the chances of you digging those things up 18 months from now, 24 mm-hmm. months from now, when your client gets an audit, uh, whether it's part of an ERC program or just part of a regular audit and the ERC program comes up, I'm afraid you're never going to get it from mm-hmm. these, particularly the, the, the disreputable firms that are out there doing and I would hope that if they went to some legitimate other accounting firm to have it done that they'd still be in business and they would furnish those to you but just don't be don't ignore the fact because the other thing is the engagement letter that a lot of these clients signed Mm -hmm. basically included language that the client was determining eligibility not the third party mill so they're pretty much Hooked from both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and go ahead and get that. So one of these days, this ERC (laughs) thing will end other than audits. So now I don't know that we're waiting on anything else. We know what to do if it's legitimate. We know what to do if the money hasn't been paid yet. Mm -hmm. Now we have an option as to what to do if the money has been received. I, I guess there's always. People can sue and do whatever right. they want to. And I, I'm not expecting I, much more at this point. Um, unless Congress does something to, to whatever they're contemplating to to cut the program off, right. whatever that means. Well, we'll probably um, hear the moratorium get lifted. Um, yeah, I do we, think we we'll get that. have that date. Yeah, that's yeah, one date. We, we were promised it would be lifted, you know, in time for legitimate claims, claims to, be, to filed. be filed. Mm-hmm. Because we have what uh, the first statute of limitations on 2020 is uh, April, April 15th, 15th of 2024. So, so we, we do have some some statutes running on those claims. So mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get we'll, we'll get that date and, and that announcement sometime soon. But I think now we're we're again. That, that's not going to answer everybody's questions, but I think we're, we're down to maybe facts and circumstances mm-hmm. issues now. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I need an installment agreement. Well, why? What are the facts? How much can you pay? Yeah. You know, so those are going to be case by case. The IRS is not going to come out and tell you what that is. But I think we know all our options. Mm-hmm. For I think so, too. Part. I think the guidance on the 21st that came out um, was, was pretty clear, pretty fair, in, in my opinion. Um, and I, I think... I'm not like I said. Other than the moratorium date being lifted, I'm I'm not expecting too much. We might get some stats and some figures, and um, you know, 
some articles about how many mills and how much money and how many withdrawals and how many voluntary claims, but I don't expect um, guidance that's going to change any of the process. Yeah. And, and the big thing is, is, as inconvenient as the March 22nd deadline may be as we begin to start a filing season, um, it seems to be a firm date. So you really need – so you may want to communicate with your business clients because what if they don't show up in your office till March 23rd? Mm-hmm. So you, you may want to put a, a, a letter rush or something. on your business clients or something yeah. to say, hey, if you got an ERC, you need to get in here. Uh, you don't want to come in on the 21st because there is some work to be done, but you, you want those, you want to prioritize those people in terms of trying to get them in your mm-hmm. office and, and, uh, Again, if they got an ERC claim, it's a good way to get everybody in. <laughs> to get them to show up on time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, we've got but, a few minutes you know, you left. Need to get it in. Yep. We got, there's other things yep. going on. I was about we are to heading say, into a filing season we, and a new year for that matter. Yep. So, so bef- before we go, I do want to, I want to give you a few heads up. Um, we do know that tax season will begin on January 19th. It's usually the middle of January, so that date seems fairly normal to me. I wasn't shocked by that yeah. by that date. Um, and if you are in the business of preparing information returns like 1099s and W-2s, um, just remember the deadline for those is the end of the month. Um, and anyone who prepares or a client that needs to prepare 10 or more, um, those need to be e-filed this year. That is new for 2024. It came into effect first of the year. So just keep that in mind um, if you're working on information returns. And that's aggregate. That's not 10 W-2s and 10 W-9s. It's total. All so, together. Uh, Anything pretty, under that. pretty low threshold. Very low threshold. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, if you didn't catch a, this on a previous podcast, um, the 1099K reporting, it's been extended and talked about and moved around and all kinds shifted in different ways, but for for this year, um, for the 2023 filing season, we are still at that 20,000 or 200 transaction threshold. There was talk about moving it to 600. Uh, there's talks about all kinds of different versions of this, but once again, um, we are still at our 20,000 and 200 transactions. Uh, for 2024, that threshold will drop to 5,000. So just, you know, if clients are talking about, oh, I heard my Venmo is going to be sending me 1099K or, you know, I heard we're going to be getting all these, you know, 1099s from PayPal and, you know, all of the above. Um, you may. I mean, you may. <laughs> they still make yeah, it. Yeah, still get them. <laughs> but yeah. the threshold. this came late in it the did. year. Yeah. It did. And a lot of the companies had already prepared done all the work yeah. to prepare them. And, you know, they may say, well, to hell with it. I'm going to send, send it, it anyhow. <laughs> yeah. So if that's the case, you, st- you need to acknowledge it and report mm-hmm. it, and the IRS has told you what to do. In to reconcile, right? So, yeah. So there's no requirement, but that doesn't not mean gonna get one. some won't show yeah. up. So you may get some questions because I, that was on the media, and I know, uh, I know Venmo app has a spot now where you say if it was for services or goods or whatnot. So right. I wouldn't be shocked if you didn't get a couple of questions about that this tax season, um, and then obviously let them know that that threshold is dropping to 5000 for 2024. 
Right. And this will bring up one other thing that we all need to be a little more apparent. A lot of our, particularly our older clients like me, mm-hmm. uh, are used to getting everything in paper. Yeah. And a lot of documents that are being distributed now aren't being mailed. They're being put up on a website where you have to go in Grab and it. download it yourself. So when people say, I didn't get the form or I don't, you know, you've been getting something for 10 years, um, you may need to tell them to go check a website or do something mm-hmm. like that. Because there could be a 1099K sitting in a, in a portal. I don't use Venmo. I'm not saying they're doing it, but, it, you know, there may have issued one and it's sitting somewhere up in a uh in your Venmo account and the IRS got it and they don't know to go look for mm-hmm. it. So That's just true. as a general rule, documents that have historically been distributed in paper uh, may not be sent by mail. They'll be posted somewhere for you to go download. And some people probably, I'm sure they all got a letter telling them that or all got right, an email but, telling them that, but that doesn't mean they read it or paid attention yeah, to it. Yeah. So little tip to avoid a problem when they say, I never got the form. Good. That is a good tip. Good tip. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and one other thing I just want to mention um, this BOI reporting beneficial owner um, reporting mm-hmm. requirement. We've spent some time on this. Um, we're actually going to do a podcast. Um, our next podcast is going to be on this requirement, but it is something new for this year. And it's still kind of up in the air about how, practitioners and clients should proceed and who needs to file this report. This is a report that's filed with FinCEN. It's not actually through the IRS. Um, So if you're hearing about this for the first time, it will affect um, small business owners. Um, So tune into our next podcast and we'll kind of give you a better understanding of what this is. Uh, And, and yeah, Roger, I think, because yeah, the rules are there. I mean, been there. the law is in force. Mm-hmm. There has been no delay, though there's still problems with it. Uh, so we're all trying to figure out how to uh, deal with something that honestly is not designed to work well in our normal relationship with our small mm-hmm. business clients. It's not work. It, it's it's asking us to do things that we just historically have didn't have to worry about. So tune into our next podcast. We'll get into more details, but you should, should make sure you're aware of it and at least be having a discussion with your clients exactly. and um, not let them get caught because it's a $500 a day penalty. Penalties are steep. There is. Um, and there's already some fraud associated with this. Um, Finson has yep. come out to say, make sure that you're working with a reputable company. If you're going to have them assist you with these filings, um, so here come the fraudsters again. <laughs> so probably the same people, a different, different name. name. <laughs> probably this it could is their be fraud du jour. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're, exactly. They're scam du jour. So well, all right. Anything else? That's all I've got for today. Um, that was a lot of information. Again, if ERC is not something that you are familiar with, we have talked about this on numerous podcasts. Um, so you can go look at look us up, um, get gather some more information, and um, and if you like us. Share it. Tell your friends. We're here to help. Yeah. Help us get some more listeners. Yeah. And um, again, if you want more on the uh, BOI reporting, it won't be up today if this podcast is up, but watch for the yep. next one. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. We'll be back with it. All right. Annie, thanks as always. My pleasure. Thanks. Happy New Year again. Happy tax season, right? Yes. Yes. Everybody, good luck with tax season. And, um, We'll make it through this one just like we've probably made it through many more before. And as Annie said, 
If you like the Federal Tax Updates podcast, tell your friends about it, like us, and tune back in next time for another Federal Tax Update podcast. Thank you. Bye, Annie. Bye, everybody. All content from this podcast by Small Biz Pros Incorporated, DBA Paget Business Services, is intended for informational purposes only.